I'm Eugene Kim, and I welcome you to On Death, the podcast where we talk about death through the four prompts. I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. This week, we sit down with Chloe Costigan. Chloe is a 31-year-old physical therapist, teacher, and half-orphan. I met Chloe while interviewing her husband, John Giacalone, and re- quickly realized she'd be a wonderful guest. During this conversation, we discuss what makes a good clinician, why she considers herself a flight risk, and how she has been shaped by the death of her father at an early age. Before we talk more about Chloe and this really great conversation we had together, I want to talk about my long-form Sundays posts. These are my weekly reflections on medical school, also known as On the Education of a Physician, and you can find them at www.eugenehkim. That's E-U-G-E-N-E-H dot Kim. And uh, most, uh, so on April 28th, 2019, I published On a Time of Transitions or Inpatient Neurology, a Postmortem. This week, I reflected on three major transitions, the end of clinical rotations in medical school, beginning the move from our student home to a residency home, and the death of my paternal grandmother. Then more recently, on May 5th, 2019, I published On the Move or the Beginning of Graduation. This week, I reflected on moving out of Coopersburg and into Orfield, Jun Tzu's first flight, and the beginning of our wacky vacation-slash-graduation week in Florida. I've been anticipating this week for a while, and I never thought we'd actually get there. So again, you can find all of these in, uh, in their entirety online for free at www.eugenh.kim, or you can find them in collected Kindle and paperback forms on Amazon. If you just type in physician education, it'll be the first thing that pops up there. So I hope you check those out because they're, uh, they're sort of like how I uh, log. The, it's almost like a war journal of medicine, of my, of my education here. And so back to Chloe. Chloe is a living being. Before Chloe dies, she wants more clarity and to help people. When Chloe dies, she wants there to be stillness and peace that permeates around her. After Chloe dies, she wants people to continue to benefit from the time she spent on this earth. And in conclusion, Chloe says, I've always identified so strongly with myself as an individual, but I'm beginning to realize more and more that we as individuals make up a community in a variety of communities. I think that one of the best ways to thrive as an individual is by relating to your community, and I think that we go about doing that with empathy and vulnerability. I would strongly encourage people to embrace their lives in that way. It's like, it's okay, we're all struggling, and struggling becomes a really loose definition for living life as we know it. Honing that sense of community can really give you a strong, such a strong foundation for living a life as fulfilling as you want it to be. And of course, that community can be as broad or as narrow as you want it to be. But I really think it comes down to vulnerability and empathy. And I really strongly encourage people to embrace those two aspects. I agree, Chloe. Those are some really great, great final thoughts that you gave us. So um, this, like I mentioned, she's a 31-year-old. She works as a physical therapist uh, with uh, not Lehigh Valley Barbell, which is sort of like the the gym that is associated with them, but with uh, Mobility Doc, uh, a really cool uh, family-owned practice uh, with John Giacalone, her husband, and uh, her father-in-law, I think also named John Giacalone. And she's the physical therapist there, and uh, she's she's awesome. She uh, when when I was like as mentioned, I met her while I was interviewing her husband, uh, John Giacalone. Uh, and that interview, by the way, was posted on June twenty third, twenty eighteen. It was back. It was the previous season, the twenty eighteen season. 
And uh, after while I was interviewing John, uh, afterwards I talked with Chloe, and she kind of she told me about like how she she you know she wanted to, she I could tell she was kind of in the background uh, while I was talking with John, and she just kind of perked up cer certain points, and I knew she just wanted to say something, and but she did a good job of not, and uh, you know we were patient, and we eventually got. That we were able to schedule a time where we could both sit down and have a conversation. And one of the things that really let me know that this would be a great conversation is that she told me her, her father died at a very early age. I, I forget right now what, what how old she was when he died, but I believe he was in his 40s, mid-40s, and she was uh, like nine, eight or nine, something very, some very young day. And... Uh, you know that would leave a very interesting pattern on a person. It would just it would dramatically change a human, and I think that it shows in some of the parts of the conversations that we talk about, like how she considers herself a flight risk early on in her relationship with John, and how she endures low grade pain, but eventually at a certain point she's like, mm, "F it, I'm done," and uh, it also changes the way that she views death. In that, uh, you know, we talk we dig a little bit into her relationship with her mother and how her mother's uh, oh gosh you'll hear about her mother and what she has uh, experienced in life uh, but also how her mother's health issues kind of really brought into focus how how much uh, of a wound it still is to have her her father's uh, death um, especially such a traumatic one and it, this was a really great conversation. We get into some really good stuff about what does it mean to be a clinician in terms of how do you talk to people and really get to the root of these issues that, that bring them to you, um, both you know, from myself as a psychiatrist and from her as a physical therapist. And then we also talk about uh, like asking questions and how that is a creative endeavor and how it's very different from like algorithmic medicine. And re I really enjoyed this conversation. It was a lot of fun. And there were a couple points where I poked her in, in very interesting ways to sort of get her to think and in, in about her her values and her ideas of what she wants as she approaches death. You know, uh, she's a doctor. Uh, she went through two years of medical school. Like uh, the physical therapy and, and and MDs and DOs all kind of share the same like first two years, the classroom years. And so she knows, like uh, like uh, hemiparesis, like all these these terms in t regarding like strokes and like how you can be debilitated in terms of brain damage. And she's sort of, sort of like, I don't want any brain damage. She's like, no, 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 no. You don't get to say that. You have to be very specific because you actually know what does brain damage mean, especially working with Good Shepherd and post-stroke uh, patients. Uh, like, what? Tell me. Like, use use your doctor. <laughs> Use your doctoring to tell me like what specifically would you want to avoid, um, you know? Because it, 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 we get a little bit we we don't explain the terms, but you can Google them if they interest you. But it was just I think it was a really interesting chance to be able to talk with somebody who has a vocabulary and understanding about medical terms, and uh, I really enjoyed it. It was really really fun, and I really love this conversation. And there, you know, upon listening, there was one point where I. I, I took a fork in the road and I wanted to, I, I, you know, I really would have loved to hear what the other fork in the road would have been. And it was when we were, I, I kind of brought up John, uh, but I re had really loved uh, the way in which she said, like, she wants to uh, continue to clear her lens and find the ways in which her lens is not clear. And I would have loved to see, uh, you know, maybe in a future conversation with her, uh, about what ways does she think her lens is not clear? And I think you'll hear it and you'll kind of know what I'm talking about. It's like we could have, there was a fork in the road and I chose left and we could have gone right. But, you know, that's all, all of these conversations is in life in general. So I hope you don't mind me talking too much and I hope that you're ready for a really lovely uh, conversation with Chloe Costigan on death.
It is November 8th, 2018. I'm sitting here in Chloe Costigan's beautiful uh, Bethlehem apartment with a wonderful view that we can see the fall of uh, the Lehigh Valley. And we're going to be talking about death through the full four prompts. Chloe, what are the four prompts? I am before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. Excellent. Now, how do you finish that first prompt? I am. So... When I was thinking about this, when we first talked about mm. um, about doing this interview, I wanted to be really specific about not giving too much thought to these, <laughs> because like mm. I'm a person that like I'll like want I'll want to like manicure it in mm. some way, um, and what I really wanted to do was like just go based off of my my intuition. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I thought. Um, when I think I am, I think I am a living being. Good. What uh, What does that mean to you? So when I when I think about it, it's like the. I think that it has to come down to the fact that like these, you know, there are a lot of living things like on this earth. And I wanted it to be like all encompassing, all encompassing mm -hmm. that it's like, I'm connected to all of these other things that are living. So, you know, like I'm not just a physical therapist. I'm not just a wife. I'm not just a sister. I'm not just a woman. I'm mm -hmm. not just, um, a human. Like I'm, I'm more than that. Like I'm more connected to, to everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I see that there are, you know, when you say living being, there are two parts to that. There's the living aspect where it's like the the, the aspect of mortality. Right. And then there's the being part, which um, if you know, if I am a being, that's that can be a very transcendent, almost uh, like, a, uh, you know, like a, a the talking about it separate from the living matter. Does that right. make sense? Yes. Um, and is that is that kind of like the way you were thinking about it too, or is it a little bit, am I <laughs> digging into the... No, no, yeah, that is, that is exactly right. That I was like, you know, what is the thing that makes me so distinctly a being? And mm -hmm. that is like living and what I would, what I would be considering like, um, like navigating this world in this like consciousness. Mm -hmm. So what, uh... Let's, I mean, there are two parts to that. There's the living part and then there's the being part. So which one do you want to dive into first? Let's do the living. Okay. Uh, what does it mean to be living? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Oh my God. <laughs> Over this summer, I was, I was talking to my brother and I was like, I was thinking about um, uh, like shifting family dynamics um, because at that point, my brother was expecting his um, his first child and mm -hmm. he was like, starting the new generation in our family. Um, they have since had their, um, had their child, Maya. Um, but I was thinking about just like life and I was thinking, I'm like, this is insanity. I, I don't even know what this means to be living other than the fact that you're like, Oh, you know, I'm, um, I'm like able to sit here and talk to you. So like, I'm aware of that. Mm -hmm. But then I also then think I'm like, well, then I haven't actually ever contrasted that to anything. And that's like typically how you make more of a definition mm -hmm. is by being able to contrast it. So the only way that I can really define living right now is that like, I have this, um, uh, like a certain level of consciousness of me being able to like interact in my 
environment in mm. some capacity. Mm. Yeah, because there's a... If you were trying to describe what does it mean to be alive to just not even to, to, to something that has no conception of it, you know, in, in this imaginary world, yeah. it would just be a very bizarre, you'd have to talk about procreation or right. maybe you talk about death or who knows, like where, right. if there's the, there's the whole life cycle is just bizarre. Yeah. And then, um, to talk about the experience of living, uh, separate from reproduction and death and being born. It's just a very odd experience. Yeah. And then even thinking about it, like physiologically, like I'm like, all right, so should I talk about my heart should I talk about my brain activity you know because then there are like there are means to which that you can keep some things going like in terms of like your heart mm -hmm. like you know the reason why you can do like open heart surgery is because there is like there's an artificial way of mm -hmm. keeping some of that going you or know like, like ECMO I don't know if you're familiar with that no it's it's relatively new it's uh it's basically um false lung and heart so it like oxygenates the lung, right. it oxygenates the blood and it pumps the yeah. blood and it's just really bizarre. It's like, what is life if you're not, you know, it's like right. when, you, when you talk about uh, hunting, uh, there's always the, the shot through the vitals, you know, trying to get through the lungs behind the shoulder blade and in, in through both lungs and maybe the heart too. Right. And it's just like, that's, you know, if you get that, you're dead, you know, right. but if you're not, if you're able to live with all that scooped out, it's right. a very bizarre thing. Yeah. Yeah. That is really strange. And then my, my 16 year old patient who I just like absolutely adore, she looks over at me and she's like, well, as I'm treating her on Tuesday, what if this is a simulation? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, there was like, it was total non sequitur. And I was like, well, I mean, I guess the thing that we can do is like just continue it, continue to live in the way that we have defined it in a sense. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I guess there are other people that would probably be like trying to figure out, you know, like how to like overthrow it or something. That wouldn't be me, but mm -hmm. you know, maybe someone else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, um, like, so describing living through contrast of like, what does it mean to not be like, that's uh that can be very difficult. Right. Right. Like, but I, I feel like, uh, where did you land on that? So the thing is that, um, I've always had like a really, I've always had a very like keen awareness of death. Mm -hmm. Um, I think because of my father dying when I was three. Mm -hmm. So like death has always been a conversation. I've always thought about it. Mm -hmm. um, it was just on October, on October 8th, it was the 28th anniversary of, um, of his passing. And so I think that because that contrast exists, mm -hmm. I was always able to like, I was always able to understand like, okay, when you when you die you're no longer here you can no longer interact with your mm -hmm. with your environment with the people that you know so then um then like i then i'm doing the opposite of mm -hmm. of living but the thing that is really interesting this is one of the things i was thinking about the other day with like with living is that there is there's so many more um it, it exists on such a large spectrum where like in what i understand death as being is that it's it's one state mm -hmm. whereas like living there's there's a huge spectrum of that so mm -hmm. it's like are you on like a, a ventilator in a coma or like are you a newborn you know, and like you just started life or something like, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there is like, or whatever you consider to be like 
the most alive you can be, <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. that is, there's, there's such a large spectrum of what living is. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas with death, it's like, there's, you're dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, something that you were saying is, uh, uh, that really struck me was this idea of while you were talking was, was saying the anniversary of your father's death. And I was thinking in my head is like, that's a death day. You know, it's like you have a birthday and you have a death day yeah. and, uh, you can celebrate both. And, uh, in like, I was just, it was just kind of like blossoming my head as this idea. And, uh, you have a very limited number of birthdays, at least that while you're alive and you can still, you know, after, after the fact other people can celebrate your birthday on your behalf, but right. your, your experience of birthdays yeah. are is very limited, but the experience of death days is unlimited. Like right. there's, there's so many death days after the fa after you die. And it's, there's this weird, uh, uh, there's a finality to it in, for the people that are left alive, left alive. Right. Mm. Right. That it's like, wow, like this is actually like the end, you mm. know, like my mom was recently, um, she was recently ill or just not well, um, over the summertime after she had, um, she had like an abdominal hernia and hiatal hernia repair. It was like seemingly like pretty routine, but then, you know, long story short, like she had developed, um, some type of like obstruction, but then it's kind of let go for a little bit too long. So she was in like very like critical condition mm -hmm. and like her kidneys were in failure and, um, her white blood cell count was super high and they were concerned about her going septic. And, um, and like, as I'm, as I was like talking to her in the hospital and she's like, she kept trying to tell me that like, I was going to be okay. And like, in that moment, it's weird when you can almost like feel death. Like where it's like, you don't think of that as like a sensation that you would have, but it was like, I was thinking about, um, like this idea of like, if my mom died, then it's like, you're kind of like an orphan in the universe or something like, and of course everyone has to be at some point, mm -hmm. but, um, but it's strange to consider that at, um, like at 31, I was telling her, I was like, oh no, like you do not get to give up. You have to keep going. Like mm -hmm. you will be like, you'll be okay. I'll be okay, but you're still going to be here, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and like in that sense, it's kind of weird. Like it almost like adds another layer of what, what living is and what death is. Like when, like I said, like I could feel it. I could feel like expiration in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess, I guess that is like part of that spectrum that I was talking about that, like, you kind of move closer to, to that expiration. It's just like when like food you can no longer eat, you know, like it doesn't just, it's not like fresh and then all of a sudden it's rotten, mm -hmm. you know, like it moves toward that, but it was really bizarre to see, to see my mom moving toward that at such a rapid rate. Mm. Yeah, especially when she is uh, a relative constant in your life up until that point. Like, yeah. It's like there's no, uh, like with a rapid decline, it's just such a very like, oh shit, this is yeah. real. Like this, like the, the, yeah, uh, and, and like you said, everyone uh, ideally 
in an ideal world, everyone becomes an orphan because that means that your parents die before you die as a right. child. And you don't, right. you know, like having a child die is a very tragic thing. So, right. like, in, in theory, it's like that's the thing that everybody should want is to be orphaned. But, right. like, it's like how early? <laughs> right. Question, right. Yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. And, I mean, I guess, like, you're never, you're never, like, actually ready for it. But it also just really makes you aware of, like, impermanence and just like the tenuous nature of time mm -hmm. yeah and uh so now we've talked a lot about the living part yes and now let's talk about the uh the transcendence of time which is the being right right what what does that mean what, what's that part the being part? yeah so like the being part i think of as like energy in a sense that mm -hmm. it's like um that it's this um or in some way like matter um, and that that can't be like created nor destroyed and like it always exists in some mm -hmm. in some form like even if it's like recycled forms of carbon in some way like mm -hmm. that is that's like what I think of as like making up the being so mm -hmm. then even after like that being is no longer living there's like still that that exists so like where i was talking about the living part is being so impermanent the being part i think of as being such a permanent um mm. such a permanent piece did you have a religious or spiritual upbringing to your childhood yeah so i grew up um i grew up catholic and we went to uh went to church every sunday um and the thing that's really interesting um so one thing about my mom is my mom is not a rule follower. <laughs> She's a rule breaker. Okay. She has always made her own rules. Like mm. that is like very much the case. So I remember saying to my mom when I was when I was young, I was saying to her, I was like, I'm bored. You know, and this is at church. Mm -hmm. And she was like, When you're at church, you think about the week. Like you think about what you did right, what you did wrong in the week, what you need to change what you want to keep doing. Mm -hmm. So like church always became like very like meditative for me. Mm -hmm. So then like layering the fact that like my father had died so young and then the part of um, like having like that weekly meditation, um, I have always, um, I've always had like a sense of like the universe with a capital U kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, where like there, there is like some, some system and like some like orchestra to that. Mm -hmm. Um, and also I think that I don't even know if like, I speculate now that like, maybe that was like, just like a coping mechanism that I was like, oh, well, if like, if I felt so much like disorder when I was younger, I must be seeking order. So then therefore mm -hmm. like, there must be a reason for all of this. Mm -hmm. There must be like some system and like that gave me some, um, some like solace or like some like consolation in some way that it's mm -hmm. like, Oh, this, like, this must happen for a reason. And so that was, that sounds like young Chloe, but is that still now Chloe? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> in that, uh, that there is like some, uh, that there is like some order or meaning, like it seems I, I like the idea of systems, you know, like mm. I'm like forever, like I'm forever like finding like a system in something because mm -hmm. it creates some 
order and there is is even more so than anything like there's like clarity and there's like stability in that and I do like that in um in everything really is like is understanding a system so I guess uh what do you like what is your conception now of the system is it still through the lens of Catholicism is it something separate yeah so what it is like uh, I think, and it's, like, it's really, like, I would say, like, evolving, that there is, like, that there is something that is, um, that is, like, beyond me, whether it is, like, a, an entity, or whether it is, like, a state of mind, or transcending the mind in some way, Mm -hmm. like, I kind of think of, like, it almost being, like, this idea of, like, what I had previously understood as like your like closest relationship with God as being like, there's like something that's like, there's like a purity to it. Um, and something that's like untouched and like perfect. Um, I think of that as like being able to like transcend your consciousness in some way that it's like, understanding this idea of like you are not your thoughts you are Mm. not your feelings um and that like you're you're something other than that Mm -hmm. um you know i guess maybe that's like the being part that Mm -hmm. it's like oh that you're you're a being but like but no other like identifiers i guess which is difficult because i've always so strongly aligned with my thoughts Mm -hmm. And so I guess, um, what exper- like, have you had any experiences that allow you to, uh, not identify with your, th- like, how, how do you, how do, how do you reconcile that? Yeah. So I would say, like, I think about, um, the, the things that I identify with so strongly, like, for example, like I love being outside. Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't, if I don't have time to be outside, like I don't feel like myself. Um, and like I think of like when I'm hiking or when I'm running and I'm like I'm in nature mm-hmm. like so this isn't just like walking on a road or something like that this is like in the woods mm-hmm. that it's like that there is like this there is this like peacefulness there is this like I'm not actually thinking about anything mm-hmm. I'm just like experiencing the world mm-hmm. I remember thinking when I was like I was first reading um something about like the yoga sutras when I was like 25 or something like that. And I remember like reading about this idea of like being present and like acceptance. And I remember thinking with like being present was like, you don't have a plan and thinking (laughs) that acceptance meant uh, being passive. And I thought of those as like two just like really bad attributes. I'm like, they must be talking about something that makes sense, but I cannot begin to understand this Mm -hmm. because of like the definitions that I applied to it. And then like over the years with like, with my yoga practice and then also just um, meditating for like starting maybe three years ago or so that I be, I'm beginning to be able to like experience more of those qualities and then kind of like being able to like zoom out a little bit, pull myself out of like what I so strongly identify as being my thoughts mm-hmm. and realizing too, especially with like with my own thoughts that might be like patterns that are negative that I realize that I'm like, I'm just fabricating these <laughs> like this isn't actually like 
you know, this isn't actually like the truth, mm-hmm. uh, like with like a capital T, um, mm-hmm. that like I've always been like seeking. Like I remember thinking when I was little, um, I was thinking on the bus the one time in second grade, I was like, you know, I think that heaven is when all of your questions are answered. Like, that's, like, what I identify with, like, you mm-hmm. know, when you think about, like, this is, like, the the most, like, um, uh, like, this is, like, this point of, like, ecstasy, that it's, like, your, like, eternal life, and it's, like, for me, that I'll, like, get all my questions answered. Like, mm-hmm. that's, like, what, that's, like, what I have always been seeking for, like, understanding, like, well, what is the truth? Like, what mm-hmm. does that, like, boil down to? Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt, like, all of my questions would have that like this is the this is the most clear image of what something is like because I always like feel like there must be like something that is like an object the most objective measure of what something is mm-hmm. you know like so if if it's like um the perception like you know two people can can look at the same thing and experience it in a totally different way I always like feel like there like must be like one truth that it's like that there must be like one answer Mm -hmm. even if that isn't actually the case Mm -hmm. um but in my mind it had always like created some order Mm -hmm. you know like yeah finding that it's weird because you're you're like uh that that like truth of the capital t is um it's like uh trying to understand that from a perspective that is without perspective essentially like you, right. you know, and it's it's a very uh, I have a friend who while we were talking he uh, describes uh, what what he wants when he dies is to get a peek behind the great mystery just like just a little peek just a little bit of understanding to see and um, because that it's just there's a lot of questions going on yeah. <laughs> about what and uh, unfortunately it seems that we're getting a lot we we can get a lot of questions and we'll get very few answers. Right. Well, yeah, and then when you when you realize too or like what I what I'm beginning to realize is that like maybe there are a lot of answers to a question. Mm-hmm. Um but that is like not how our schooling is. That is like not how we are like mm-hmm. raised in so many ways, but it's like well maybe there are multiple answers. So like when I look outside and I think like wow, like look at those beautiful fall colors and then like you can look outside and be like all those trees are dying. <laughs> you know, and it's like those are that's both the both that's true, you know, mm. that those leaves are dead, like, they're gonna fall off, but I'm, like, but then I can be looking at, like, how pretty it is, and I think that that's where things, like, start becoming, like, a little, like, crazy for me in my head, is, like, that there, that there isn't that order that I thought that there was, mm. that there, there are, like, so many answers to, to a single question, or to a single observation, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and then you're just, like, so uh where does that land you now like uh what like uh, are you are you actively searching for like what what is yeah like lots of questions right where are like are you finding your own answers are you listening to other people's answers like what's going on there yeah so um i recently started going to see a therapist again so Mm -hmm. I saw one when I was in like undergrad and in graduate school, mm-hmm. um, where it was a lot of like, 
you know, like I said, like I, I've always considered myself to be a pretty like introspective person. So like I can understand like if I'm thinking about like saying negative patterns that I have, I know a lot of times like where they come from. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times I'm satisfied with knowing where they come from but not actually doing the actionable thing and mm -hmm. addressing those. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, oh, I know why I act in this crazy way. And then I'm just like <laughs> satisfied with knowing why I mm -hmm. acted that way and not actually doing anything to change it. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that same theme exists in like many aspects of my life. Um, but I'm beginning now to look at say these say these patterns and kind of look at some of the common threads in them and then being able to to understand those patterns and say okay these were coping strategies or these were kind of like the same theme carried out in many different applications in my life mm -hmm. and being able to like kind of zoom out and speaking to that idea that you know thoughts are still just like your own fabrication that um being able to say like oh okay like i don't identify as strongly with those so I think that one of the things I'm trying to do is identify more strongly with the idea of the being mm -hmm. as opposed to the, the part that I would define as the living. So mm -hmm. for me, the living is <laughs> mm -hmm. like the thinking and the doing and the producing. And now I'm trying to identify like at least like, you know, touch on that being part. That it's like, I don't have to be thinking about something. I don't have to be doing something. I don't have to be producing something to still be me to still be the essence of me mm -hmm. but i was so strongly identified myself with that with like that living part that i've lost kind of some of that sight of of the being but where i'm like the reason why i'm so much more concerned about that now is like kind of looking like very early on in the third decade of my life um realizing and speaking to so many patients um, that are a variety of ages that it's like that living part is going to keep changing throughout your entire life mm -hmm. but how do you how do I how do you identify with the being part mm -hmm. and I think that that is where I realize that you know like if I want to like go gracefully into these into these next next decades that I don't want to identify so strongly with the doing, the thinking, the producing. And I want to identify more strongly with like that, that like cl that clarity and that peacefulness and that like presence of mind when I'm like in the woods and hiking for three hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause uh, especially as I'm, I'm 29 about to turn 30 in May and there's uh, identifying too much with the living and what you, what you what you, think you can do is usually associated with what you could do in your mid twenties, right. early twenties. And so <laughs> yeah. constantly trying to identify with that doing is, yeah. can, is always looking in an idealized past. Right. And so it can set yes. you up for, for also this constant dissatisfaction because you're never able to meet right. this, this metabolically impossible like, yeah. idea of what you think you yep. should do. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing that I'll do for myself very frequently is like, 
I will take this one snippet of time and I will put it in a vacuum and then I'll compare that one snippet of time to my current self and mm. then in some way that yields some type of inadequacy. And it's like, of course it does because I'm I'm taking like, and I maybe a potentially idealized version of the past mm. or like a past like version of myself that lacks any context and trying to compare it to my current self, mm. you know? And it's like, that is, you are never going to find any like you're that's just a really unkind thing to do to yourself mm -hmm. and then the other thing is like you will forever be inadequate in some way mm -hmm. because like again like this is like that fabrication of your thoughts in your mind that like you're you're just you're you're setting yourself up for failure because you're always going to be comparing yourself to something that was either idealized or existing in in a vacuum and you're it's just like a current rejection of yourself mm -hmm. and so it sounds like you're there there are a couple like it's like, this is like a multi-pronged offensive right you're right. you're uh you're meditating you're you're you have a yoga practice and you're you're uh seeking therapy um like is all and it sounds like all of that is to get more into on the being side of the equation yeah um are there other things on the list um i think that uh i think that it's a lot of like this is what I say to my patients all the time. Like a lot of times it isn't actually like the big thing that actually makes the change. It's like, say you want to correct your posture, for example, mm -hmm. it's not doing like a bunch of like, you know, going to the gym and doing a bunch of like back exercises four times a week for like an hour. Mm -hmm. What it is, is like constantly correcting yourself in in a given day that mm -hmm. like when you're seated that you're thinking oh you know like my chin needs to be a little bit more back or like maybe i should lift through the front of my sternum a little bit more and reminding yourself of that throughout the day that's what i'm trying to do throughout every day that it's like it's you know you had asked like if i'm um if i can live some of that like um when you had asked about in the warm-up question about like my home and the fe the feeling mm -hmm. that I have when I'm at home I'm aware of the fact that I can't replicate that feeling when I'm certain places mm -hmm. so, but the idea though is like I want to be able to transcend that that it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if I'm like you know, stuck on 22 and I'm only three miles from home and it's going to take me 40 minutes. Or if I'm like, just finished like a two hour yoga practice. Like I, that's what I want is to be able to have that same sensation or that same like clarity, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that some of it is doing that isn't going to be this like, you know, like a light switch. It's not like, you know, off and then on it's like moving toward it. So I've been like trying to remind myself throughout a given day when it's like the middle of the day and I still have like nine more patients to treat that it's like, you know, this is okay. Like this time is going to pass. And even if like these five hours are in a different way than like the most relaxing version of a Sunday <laughs> afternoon at home, like it's still there's still the same minutes the mm -hmm. same time still goes by and like it's okay like y like you're equipped to be able to deal with this like and i think that that that's able like i think that just by reminding myself of little instances like that that's where i'm trying to like transcend 
not only just like my yoga practice um, and like being able to hike and meditate, but like put that into like in a very like actual way in my everyday life. And so it sounds like uh, living being emphasis on the being is a is a work in progress. Like it's yeah. A, it's a oh yeah, pro- like I'm stumbling and falling <laughs> all the way through. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so uh, I, you are a living being. Is there something else on that list, or, or do you feel like that's like is that how tidy you want to wrap that up? Yeah, I think that that's mm. and like you know of course there are like subsets to that, um, but I. Th- think I think that that is I think that that's where I should stop in that uh that like just going like simplicity is like not the thing that I am I do not excel at that at all Mm -hmm. um like I like things that are just like more complicated in so many Mm -hmm. ways and have so many more layers (laughs) yeah exactly but I think though that it's like it's a it's good to I think put the, put that at rest in that, like, this is, this is who I currently am, like in this, in this pursuit Mm -hmm. of the living being. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, good stuff. All right. Let's, uh, so, uh, let's uh, move on to the next prompt. Uh, how do you answer that? Uh, before I die, I want. So before I die, I want more clarity. So this like speaks to that I that idea of like the truth and kind of like reconciling the fact that like maybe there isn't like a one truth, mm-hmm. but um but again like being able to I think like zoom out a little bit more and in part part of that clarity I think comes from like not actually um not actually like identifying so strongly with like me and my like immediate surroundings or the thing that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, like, so I think of like clarity as like being able to like be like more empathetic and to like see more people as living beings and Mm -hmm. like, and, um, just experience other people's um lives and and in some way bring um like any strengths that I have bring other people clarity so it's like clarity for not only like myself but for others so clarity and like not not just being so consumed with my own world um and then so then like kind of think of that as like zooming out a little bit and then clarity for others in that like any um like strengths or skills that I do have bringing more clarity to other people's lives Mm. like that's what I want yeah while you're talking I was thinking about like uh like using your t-shirt to to like clean off like a like set of binoculars like it's just like that that literal like very literal clarity like you just want to see things more with more uh detail Right. And truth. Yeah, yeah. More detail and truth. And also, um, like, in, um, in like, a less biased way, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, and I mean, I, I think a lot of that stems from this idea of, like, um, feeling a certain amount of, like, empathy and applying that, that like, the thought process of empathy mm-hmm. to, like, any situation. Um, and then also, like empathy for myself 
Mm-hmm. So like that's the clarity for my for me and then clarity for others as well. And I think it was uh it's very interesting so it sounds like it is very it's very process driven um in that uh when you say I want before I die I want more clarity it's not saying I before I die I want clarity like you just right. like it's you you're trying to get like, yeah, shifting yeah, things exactly. over, right? Yeah like I um have like become probably over the last like three or four years like really into this idea of like everything being on a spectrum Mm -hmm. and um and like I said like there isn't like that that light bulb or that light switch rather of like on or off and they say it to the same thing I say it to my patients all the time in terms of like your healing isn't like you have pain and then all of a sudden you don't have pain I mean that'd be great but like you still have to move along along a spectrum in that case like when Mm -hmm. as your body is healing it doesn't just here and there, there are a lot of processes that go on that are moving you more toward a state of healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, that's like that same idea of like, you know, I don't know if I'll ever, I don't even know what the definition of cl- like pure clarity would be, but I mean, I want to go like more toward there. Cause I can, mm. I can, I'm aware of the ways that I'm still clouded in some ways. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, I think that I, um, uh... I connect with your husband, John, uh, well, because I think he and I see the world in a very binary sense. Yeah, and, totally. And uh, we, I think we talked about that, too. Yeah. And uh, I think it's int- because also my partner, Mackenzie, she also th- sees things very much in a beautiful spectrum right. of things. And it's uh, it's nice to have the contrast. But it's also like uh, the, the older I get, the more I see like... Um, like, you see, like you're saying, specifically like exam- the ex- with the example of pain, like you will... There's there's no like on off switch of pain, but right. within within a day there are many micro on offs of pain, yes. like binaries of pain, and then the goal is to get less of those on yeah. ons of pain, more off. Right. Like it's a good, it's like, uh, like a yo- like a younger Eugene would think of things in big binaries, but now I'm starting to like really like get like see things in a smaller sense. Right, you know exactly. I mean? Like it's kind of like when you think about like an action potential, like mm-hmm. an action potential, like it either goes or it doesn't. Like mm-hmm. you need to cross the threshold. If you don't cross the threshold, then no, you don't, nothing happens. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then like the idea of like, when you think about like voluntary, like muscle contractions and you think about like alpha motor neurons, you're like, oh, okay. I can choose what the force rate direction and range mm-hmm. of that, of that muscle can be based on those electrical impulses that that are binary mm-hmm. you know but then they can exist along along a spectrum where it's like i either like pick up this ball or i'm going to pick up this whole ottoman you know mm-hmm. it's going to be the same action of the of the biceps contracting but mm-hmm. but it's going to be in a very different way mm-hmm. um but but that's like that is that spectrum um but it is <laughs> it's nice uh to to have that um to have there be absolutes in so many ways in so many instances because like it would make it so much more um so much more like clean and mm-hmm. easy and like formulaic and there being order and like that's what that's what I had like always um always wanted but i'm realizing like that i need to that i need to like let go of in some way Mm -hmm. um but then it's also really great for me to have someone like john who 
in some ways it's really great to be binary that he's like very decisive mm -hmm. um and like he doesn't live like relative to other people whereas like for me like i'm so much more inclined to make a decision based off of like the the group or what i'm perceiving mm -hmm. like you might like a little bit more you know like i would be mm -hmm. like more inclined to be like um you know like oh eugene like you you like um you have like a very strong opinion about like this restaurant then like even if i really like that restaurant like i'm totally okay with like not going to to that restaurant because mm. you um because like you have like you're decisive about about not wanting that whereas like for me um like if i like don't really have a, first of all i won't even really speculate about <laughs> like what it is that i do or don't like which is a really weird thing to like not actually really consider that because mm -hmm. the thing that I might like more is for you to enjoy your time. Mm -hmm. So then I would be so much more inclined to be like, you choose mm -hmm. because like, I want you to enjoy your time. Like that's going to be me enjoying, um, enjoying that and mm -hmm. that experience. But in some ways though, it ends up like just creating a little bit of like chaos. And also <laughs> like, if you don't, if you're not like, there isn't enough discernment about um like who it is that you're like trying to be like sensitive to um you know like you can be like manipulated or you can be like you can be like too indulgent or whatever mm. you know whatever it happens to be um i said that i perfectly summarized or like i had like adequately summarized um the way that john lives um, and the way that I live by, um, the way that we, um, balance on a paddleboard. <laughs> John is either standing or he's in the water. Like he does not have like a good sense of like equilibrium. Mm. <laughs> like he's either over here or over here. Like he's on either on the board or he is off. Mm. Like he can't like have those little like fine tune um, actions to balance. Mm. Um, As a weightlifter, the, that is very appropriate. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it is either, but he knows exactly what, and so he'll keep reworking something where like he'll keep circling around it until like finally he's like okay this is exactly where i need to place my feet this is exactly how much force i need to apply and then and then this is what's going to allow me to be able to be stable as opposed to it being like so then in his mind it's like i found like the best way to do that and then like what um like what i'll try to do is either like mimic someone that could be like doing something like potentially well or like i'll want to like learn from someone like okay tell me how i should be doing this um but i'm more inclined to like try to be able to like try a few different things and like be okay be a little bit more okay with a little bit of that like lack of steadiness mm -hmm. but by no means would i say that i'm like a like i'm like a pretty rigid person by no means would i say like <laughs> just that relative I'm, like, to john relative to john yes <laughs> like so john is on like one end and i'm like one degree over from that mm. yeah gotcha and so uh you want more before you die you want more clarity yes uh, is there anything else on the list I would say like speaking to that idea of um, wanting more clarity like before I die I like 
I feel like very drawn to um, to having people be able to um, to like experience their environment in a more full way. Mm-hmm. So like when I was talking about how like I want more clarity for myself, but then I also want it for other people if I can mm-hmm. do that for them. Um, like I feel like a very strong desire to help people and like help people in like in a in the means of like understanding their body more um like being able to like live without pain um Mm -hmm. optimizing their movement in some way like being the facilitator of that in Mm -hmm. any way like i am totally on board with like anyone that like wants to like help themselves and like and i really love the idea of like having a knowledge a knowledge base and a passion to be able to like help people um experience their life more fully and I mean, by no means, like I'm not saving lives, you know, like I understand that, but, but I do think though, that there, there is like a purpose for like enhancing people's lives, mm-hmm. you know, um, like talking about like moving along that spectrum, you know, like I'm not over, I'm not hovering in like that, you know, that expiration death part of the spectrum. Like I'm more over, more over on the other end. Um, but like. I really love that I have that ability to be able to help people in that way. So Mm -hmm. like I, before I die, I want to continue to be able to do that and find better ways to do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, is it large, do you, do you see that largely in furthering and deepening the current ways that you're helping people? Or do you imagine that that might change in a radical way or? Yeah. You know, like I'm totally, um, I'm like really into the idea of doing that in, in any capacity, like with the, with the prepose method, um, that I had co-created, I really like this idea of more, um, in a more broad sense being able to help people where like right now what I do is like it's one-on-one but like I like the idea of like having being able to help people first of all before they're injured Mm -hmm. um or in some type of pain um and then um and also like on a wider on a wider basis so like with the with the work in um prepose the idea is that like you can improve people's movement and the and like their mindfulness toward that movement um, in like a more like proactive sense as opposed to reactive. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, yeah, it seems like there's that you'll use the, the increased clarity of, of, of seeing things in the world and you'll use that to help people better. Is, is that kind of an accurate, yeah. uh, like yeah, one exactly. leads to the other? Yeah. Yeah. Because like one of the things that I've been able to do, um, over the past four years, um, since I particularly, I'd say like, since I started practicing privately, like I've been practicing physical therapy for like seven years or so, but it's been four years since it's been, um, privately Mm -hmm. so like I talk to a lot of people on a given day like Mm -hmm. I I'm able to have like a lot of like really like great conversations with people on like on all levels and I think that I've been able to like gather more data points and you know in terms of a clinical sense but then also um being able to like refine um like my role a little bit more just like through conversations and then also like learning more about people and their life experience in some way 
Um, so I think that um, that has like that served as like the as the driving force for um, finding um, like this idea of like finding more clarity, um, like in continuing that pursuit, and then in that being able to like help people. And uh, I think it's it's uh, it's interesting that you you're like I'm not do- I'm not doing a whole lot like uh, like I think that it's interesting that you played that down a little bit right because it's in some ways that the increased uh, embodiment of a person can be one of the most important things. Yeah, yeah, I know, and it, but it is like kind of. It's that, like contrasting with like you know take even ICU doc. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly, like, totally. But even, I mean, I have patients that are that are ER doctors, and I'm like, you are literally saving someone's life. Like that's mm. that's a really amazing thing to be able to do. Mm. Um, and and I mean, and of course, like there is a lot of value in like people like being able to um, people being able to like be healthy enough to exercise or even you know do something like get on and off the ground to be able to like take care of their grandchild you know like there's a lot of value in that and like there are there is a lot of like research to support this idea of like you know needing to maintain a certain level of mobility and activity or otherwise like it's a correlated with an increased risk for death Mm -hmm. um so yes you know that that is true but it's like i'm like i'm doing like the long game Mm-hmm. Not like not the not not the, the preventative. The sh- You're doing the preventative, yeah. game, not the reactive game. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because there's also you know when you talk when you know specifically when you talk about like EM physicians, they um, yes they're saving lives. Uh, there's also very little creativity in there. Like they're yeah. they're 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 very algorithmic and they're very evidence based and they're very much like this is how much you give this person when they're having this thing. Like it's very there's very like yeah. it's just like there it's not that there's no creativity and there's no like you know value to a good a clinician, but there's also yeah. like it is very much like they are a person in that role fulfilling a function, you know, yeah. versus uh you know what you're trying to get after, which is a very creative and very uh uh very specific and present uh force you know like it's like what does this person need in this day you know like yeah 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 and one of the things that i had said to um to john one time when i was talking about what i think makes a good um a good physical therapist but then i even like kind of widen that to really to like a lot of a lot of careers in any way um is um being two things being curious and being creative so like curious enough to like ask questions you know like Mm -hmm. if i were like treating your like right levator right now like i would be curious about like okay what did he do recently in the last like day or so Mm. what had caused this was it just sleeping incorrectly and now why is it the levator like so it would be like for me i would be thinking oh he must be compensating in some way that's typically why people's like Mm. levators start um start getting irritated so what isn't what isn't he doing how isn't he moving that is um that's like creating some of this dysfunction and then being creative about how i address that okay Mm -hmm. so like let's first take a look at like what's going on like the posterior rotator cuff let's see how that shoulder blade is moving let's see like what his suboccipitals are like that sort of Mm -hmm. thing so like i can um so like i like to like apply like my 
um, my like strong desire to ask questions. And mm -hmm. then the other one, um, like having some type of creative response to do, um, to like answer those questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, something that I've, I've, the, the way that I conceptualize, uh, coaching and I haven't coached for a while now, but also the way I conceptualize, uh, interviewing patients is I start, I've started to think of it as a hunt and, there, there are these clues, I read these tracks, and I start to kind of get into that mind space of what is this, what is this creature that I'm hunting? What, how do they think and live and interact with the world? Yeah. And then where is it going and how can I intersect or push it around? You know, like how do I... And then uh, what I like a lot about this now is that, uh, thinking about it as a hunt, is that there's no, there's no such thing as a perfect hunt. Like there, 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 you can like call it a perfect, but it's, there, there's very little story behind a perfect hunt, you know? Right. And so, uh, there, there's, Do you hunt? Uh, I get outside a lot, <laughs> but, uh, but I, uh, I haven't, uh, done much formal hunting. Um, I, I've, Cause that was the second reference to hunting. So yeah. I, I, I think it's a very, it, um, you know, like you were talking about getting outside and relaxing the senses. Yeah. I think that, uh, for me, I need to, uh, a very intentional practice for me is I want to eventually hunt, but however, I feel like I don't even have the awareness of uh like the bird song to be right. able to like even effectively yeah like ca like a harvest an animal from the landscape right yeah my um my father's uh, no my mom's father mm -hmm. um was um like a very avid like hunter and fisherman and you know like i feel like there is like so much like utility in like being able to like understand like oh you know like this moss looks like this on this tree. This must mean X, you know, mm -hmm. like, and there have to be like reasons for these mm -hmm. things, you know, especially because I hike a lot of the same trails. Then I'll be like, oh, wow, that's pretty neat that now this looks a little bit like this. Or last year at this time, this looked like this. I wonder why that is. Mm -hmm. There's like something that's like so like, so like basic and primal. And it's like, it's so much more like intuitive. Um, about that it's like you know these people figured these things out like without like you know speaking to like hundreds and thousands of years ago that they were able to speak the they were able to figure these things out in order to survive mm -hmm. um and it's it's kind of crazy to think about like how well first of all like how disconnected we have gotten from that um but then um uh, but then also like kind of like exploring that again that it's like oh like we we have been doing this for like a really long time and like we are capable of this mm -hmm. and then like but it, you just have to explore that in mm -hmm. some way it's just like with like with a patient you know like there isn't like a basic algorithm like that's like or maybe maybe like there's like there is this kind of like pattern but then in that it can kind of like take different different shapes um, and then also you, you also realize too that, uh, so much of like interacting with people and being able to treat someone isn't actually like the questions you ask or the interventions. It's how you go about doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, like, so for some people they need like a lot of like coddling or they they might need to feel like they're making the decisions with you mm -hmm. and then for other people they want you to tell they want you to tell them like this is what you need to do like this you know that kind of thing mm -hmm. um and that is so interesting because you realize like just like how how easily um 
that there isn't like one that there isn't one answer because like you could be providing the same exact intervention to someone but because of their own mm-hmm. um their own like mental state at that time or um the way you go about doing it it could have like a totally different reaction which mm-hmm. is like a really just just a really crazy thing to think about mm-hmm. and that's and that's like going back also to like you know uh like the EM physician, like one, it doesn't like really like in those life, like an end of like life situations, it doesn't really matter right. who, who's in that spot or not. But, uh, when you're talking about, uh, cause I just rotated with the hospice and palliative team. Like it matters very much like who is in the room when you have those really hard conversations where, yeah. where there is no real right, you know, there's no like end that, you know, there's no like we've, we, we are done. We've done all the work that we can do. It's just like, we've, done stuff and we think we did the right stuff you know right right what do you find to typically be like what have you been able to find like one kind of like key theme that exists like in say having those hard conversations that like say you for example like either the way that you structure the like environment or in like the things that you say that end up being like most say like comforting to the patient and their family or like or like coming like deriving at the outcome that you would want uh so like me personally the way i like to interview patients is um i i I like kind of try to be as neutral as possible so they fill the whole space and then that gives me like um, you know like in movies where they have like a globe and it shoots out and there's this whole thing like I, i try to make sure that i have as little presence as the patient shoots out and shows me as much as they can right and then from there i'm like okay that's that's the route like that's like i get so like open-ended questions yeah i just i just like let them do their thing and i kind of like just allow uh try to be as uh as soft about it as possible so that i can see what's going on yeah and then usually i what i uh what i'll find is that there's like some sort of like block or there's some sort of um unexamined aspect that uh, needs to be addressed by the patient and just trying to, and then it's like finding the right time because it all, you know, if that's the block, the, the conversation will always lead to it. It's just when, and I, right. and being patient enough to be like, okay, I know what, I know where we need to go, but do we need to go there now? Or like, like being soft enough to allow them to lead themselves basically to that spot. I ask a very soft question and then that gets, that gets them to, to the point where they, realize uh by themselves like what they need to do right um and so that's a very abstract way of putting it um because it is a very abstract thing and it is uh something that i've honed and it's like a very intuitive sense so it's hard for me to like um give concrete examples yeah well one of the things that i'll even say to my patients is like when i'll when i'll say like okay so you know like you're coming for your right hip like give me as much information as you want about like any part of your body you tell me, like, you know, even if, like, you're coming to me, like, for your right hip, like, give me any information you want. Like, if you want to tell me about, like, you, like, twisting your ankle, your left ankle when you were in eighth grade, fill it in. Like, just mm-hmm. tell me whatever you want. Because I think, again, like, that kind of, like, allows for this, like, open dialogue that and also the other thing is, like, I'm invested in hearing about it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to just, like, get to treating the right hip. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to, like, I'm okay. Like, let's hear about everything else that's going on mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's uh takes time. Yeah. And it yeah. takes patience. Yeah. And sometimes you don't have either or right. both. And right. uh 
that's uh, I think the challenge is just interacting with people yeah. um, as a profession. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, very much so. Especially because like I am someone that um, I like existing in like a pretty like small world in terms of like the like I have like I'm very close with my family and I have like close friendships but I'm not a person that has like large groups of friends so like the fact that I interact with people all day long is like absolutely exhausting to me Mm -hmm. um but it is something though that I've like learned um as like being something that's like very enriching to me because otherwise like speaking to that question um like I would have been totally content content with like finding clarity for like only myself because Mm -hmm. like my my world was very small that it was like I'm so concerned about like trying to make sure that like I'm okay that I'm stable um that like I would miss out on the opportunity to do that for other people too Mm -hmm. all right that's a good uh I think that's a good uh before you die right yeah um so how do you finish that next prompt when I die I want so when I die I want there to be stillness and peace and uh, I want there to be stillness and peace and that to um, and like that that feeling to like uh, like permeate around me that mm-hmm. like regardless of how I die like even if it's like in this like horrific way that mm-hmm. like the the people that are like around me will like feel that that it's like like it's okay mm-hmm. you know like that's what like like I don't like the idea of like anyone like suffering on my behalf you know so like I like I want people to like I just like want people to be like okay and so my first question would be um where where does this uh desire come from like is it from uh, a positive or negative experience where you witnessed participated uh knew of a death that was either very peaceful and you want to emulate that or very not peaceful and you want to not do that? Yeah. So, you know, like there is like a lot of, um, there are a lot of like questions that I have like surrounding my, my father's death for, um, actually like quite specifically, um, in that, like the way that I have been, um, the way that I've been told is that, um, is that like he had died that night next to my mom who is a nurse she started CPR right away um he the the ambulance and like the EMTs came and they were like working on him he had a seizure at some point and he went into he had an arrhythmia um, or he had an arrhythmia, then he had a seizure, and then, like, at that point, he had died. In the house? In the house. Okay. I mean, they kept working on him, mm-hmm. you know. He but they was, pronounced him in the house? No. Oh, they pronounced no, him at the... No, because he's, he was 39, mm-hmm. and they just, like, kept, they, like, kept working on him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And like this is and they worked on him through the ambulance ride into the ED. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then and then he was and then he was pronounced dead um, there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it's really interesting, kind of like my mom has dealt with death a lot in her life, like her brother died of a brain tumor when she was young. I think she was nine. Mm-hmm. And then both of her parents died when she was 20 and then 21. Mm-hmm. Um, they both Oof. died suddenly. Um, so like then she was 32 and then um, her husband died when she was pregnant. She was four Jeez. months pregnant. And then she had three of us. So like, like, you know, I... Um, there, there is like so, there's so much going on in that, mm-hmm. in like that time that it's also one of those things like, not of course that I think that my mom is lying by any means, but, but it's more so like, how could there, you know, speaking to like, there is like this one, there is like this one like actual way of how this happened um like I like keep when I think about it like I think about like it's almost like me looking down into the bedroom of like what I imagine it looking like as like Mm -hmm. they are you know using the AED on him or something like that and um and like I think that there must be like I want like more of the details um and from like from a uh from like a uh from like an objective source mm-hmm. in a sense like i wouldn't like go back to like october 8th 1990 and like look at the paramedic report like something just to like get that little like not the not a mother relating the story of a father's death to a right. child right yeah exactly because like um yeah, like there, there can never be like total like objectivity in that case, and mm-hmm. I think that like from that point on, like I've always been like looking for like that truth of like okay, well then then even when I'm speculating about his about his death, like oh there must be a reason for this, like this mm-hmm. is like why this this is why this happens, um and then like I think like my entire life I've been trying to like tell myself that I'm okay and then I've had like different ways of telling myself that I'm okay Mm -hmm. by like first of all like creating order Mm -hmm. and also like understanding a system so like if I can understand a system if I can create order if there can be structure then it's like then there's a reason for this there's Mm -hmm. like then then there's like there's a path then I know like I'm okay and Mm -hmm. I think that like that is like I don't want there to be any of that confusion around my death. Like I just want, I just want like, I just want it to be um, like calm and like still, even if, like I said, it doesn't happen in that instant that like, that there is like some, there's some closure and there is like peace with that. This reminds me very much of uh, a lot of discussions that I've had with Mackenzie, where I want a very, I, if she ever finds me down, I just want her to leave me down and just like not bring anyone else in the house. Like I want it, I want the last hands to touch me to be her hands. 
And I know that she's going to really struggle with that yeah. because, you know, she, you, she'll, she'll be like, fuck that. And she's just going right, you know, right. to do everything she can, especially if it's at a younger age. And it's, it's this really tough thing because it's like I, um, I want her to be in a place where she could allow me to just like he's down and he's dying and I'm, I'm okay with that. And I, there's not much that I can do for her in, yeah. that, in that role. Right. And so I, I think you are very clear in, in that you want the, the piece. But like, do you, have you, what are the ways in which you will ensure that piece in stillness? Um, so like one of the things is like, I, like I wouldn't, um, like I even struggle with the idea of like wanting to be like resuscitated in any way, because Mm -hmm. I'm like, I kind of just think in some ways that I'm like, you know, like I'm just going to go now. Like Mm -hmm. instead of like, I don't like this idea of like trying to like, fight with like trying to like maintain your life Mm -hmm. like I just want to just like if it's like if it's kind of like time to let it go then just let it go but I mean but then there are like other instances where where I can understand that it's like well you know might be a good idea to like utilize like modern medicine in some ways um but like I wouldn't ever want like any type of like life support or like um being on like a ventilator or anything like that like I don't think that I would want that like I wouldn't want to just be like just like grasping for life and just like hovering around like that expiration Mm -hmm. for for like a while or if like something like probably should have just like killed me I kind of just like wanted to just kill me Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't want to, like, fight for that. Like, I either want to be, like, I don't want to be, like, just, like, fighting off death. Like, I want to be, like, thriving in my, in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with modern medicine, there is a big buffet of options. And it is... Um, it is the default to use all the, you eat the whole buffet, like take 12 right. plates, you know, and, right. and there's a, it is very important to be, I think, judicious with your buffet and know exactly what you want going into it rather than kind of keep going one plate and then getting another plate and then getting another plate. Cause yeah. it's, it's hard to know. Um, as we get better at keeping the meat alive, it is very hard to know, like, when is the last plate going to be the last plate? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then also like what that, what that means for the rest of my life. Like, I don't like if I had, um, if I were told that I have like terminal cancer or something like that and you know, like say that, say even if there's like a 10 or 20% survival rate or something. And then like someone like John, for example, would probably say like, oh, well, you know, I could be in that 20%. But then, like, I would think, like, there is, like, a much larger chance that I would not be in that. So, like, I do not want to spend, like, the rest of my days just, like, trying to just, like, fight for my life. And it feels like I'm, like, kind of, like, trying to, like, um, like, like, I've fallen into this, like, pit and I'm trying to, like, make my way out of it, you know, Mm -hmm. like... I would so much rather just be able to embrace that it's like, okay, like this is 
this is the end and like that's fine mm-hmm. so i think that's very clear this value of yours like of, of acceptance of death and um of like the there's a certain like there's a point where the struggle can cease like you can you can relax right um however i want to investigate and like dive a little bit deeper into like under like what cir- like uh when would you fight like when like when would you like what level of suffering would you allow yourself to endure for a specific set of circumstances such as let's say let's let's make it a little more real right okay. is um let's say that you uh you know the next time you go like overseas you get into a bad car accident and then um like you spend uh you must spend a certain amount of time on a ventilator in order to allow your family to come and visit you like what le- like is like if there, that's that's like a little bit more acute but then like there's like layers of chronicity that we can add to that to like like what like what level of suffering are you willing to put yourself through like for for the sake of others right i mean like for the like i would so much rather have someone be able to like for in that example like have someone be able to say like goodbye to me mm-hmm. you know like that because again like i think that that will like facilitate that idea of like there being like stillness and peace that there's mm-hmm. like also that closure that it's like okay like mm-hmm. then like this is the last time i see her and then like now that's the end it's wrapped up yeah exactly exactly <laughs> it's nice it's neat. um and then yeah but i mean in terms of like um oh, man like i feel like if i were like ever in like a really bad like car accident for example like I would, like, I would just want to, I would just, like, I just think that it should just be the end. I Like, I, I'm probably more on the end of, like, most people would probably be more inclined to, like, still um, want to, like, continue living. Mm-hmm. And then for me, like, I think that I would be, like, more inclined to be like, okay, just, like, mm-hmm. let's just, like, wrap this up here. So now this gives us lots of like meat to work with, yeah. right? So um, I'm thinking while you were talking, I was thinking of a previous interviewee, Alana, and she, I interviewed her uh, back in Tampa and then I interviewed her uh, more recently. And in between the two interviews, uh, she got into a terrible car accident and spent about like, I think two months in a coma on event. And she's still right now suffering from seizures, unable to drive, but she's like able to walk around, converse and... It's a it's a struggle every day for her to to continue to live, uh, on various levels. She's she's regaining lots of function, but it's a question of like, will she ever get back to where she is, you know, or where she was, and um, you know, like I wonder, like you know, if you get into the car accident, you are unconscious, you're brought to the ED, then the ICU by paramedics before anyone in your love in your life that you love could make the decision on your behalf. And then you are in the ICU on event. Like what, uh, at what, like, you know what I mean? Like with that reality of a situation, would you, would you then ask John to make the decision to withdraw care? Even if the ICU physicians are saying, let's, she's young, she's 33, let's give her a couple weeks, like give her 10 days, you know, like what, like with that level of reality, because the, the, and I, the reason I say this is because I've seen this happen. Yeah. I would not want it. Like, I just don't, 
like again like you know talking about like there being that um speaking to your analogy of like there being that buffet and that there are like plenty of ways to like keep everything alive um like i wouldn't want that because like there are just so there's so many other possibilities of like other things going wrong and not even just wrong but like just deviating so much from like what I had known my reality to be mm-hmm. that I think that I would um I like I can accept the like impermanence of that and just being okay with it being just the the end mm-hmm. because it's kind of like you like enter like in anything that you do you kind of like enter this like this like unspoken contract where it's like you um you have like a certain like set of rules mm-hmm. um like and so i have those like for myself for example that it's like i've known my reality um to be that i have um i have sight i'm able to speak i'm able to hear and like those i'm able to like think deeply um and especially when it comes to like thinking like i would i have a really really hard time with the idea of like me having some type of brain injury mm-hmm. especially when i was when i worked at good shepherd um i worked on the brain injury floor um and i just felt like i like i could not imagine living the rest of my days like in some capacity other than what i like what i had known and I don't know if that's, like, if that's actually not, like, a good thing, you know, to be, like, oh, well, you know, if I can't have it this way, then I don't want it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, speaking to this, to the same idea of, like, you know, the way that you were, like, able to move when you were 20 is different mm-hmm. than how you move when you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. So then it's, like, what, you just, like, like you know, put up your hands and you're, like, oh, well, it's not worth living anymore if I can't live in this way. But there are some, like non-negotiables mm-hmm. i think and what are I, some of those non-negotiables i would think that it's like my um there being some type of like permanent brain damage mm-hmm. would definitely be um definitely be one of them um there being some type of like well so so when you say brain damage like let's like, I just want to make that more granular. Okay. Um, like, like, are you talking about, like, an expressive aphasia where you can no longer right. communicate? Like, or, like, what about, uh, like, right-sided hemiparesis? Like, what level, like, what, like, is it any brain damage? Is it you want this shit to be perfect? Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, what level of... Um, yeah, you know, like, I know. It sucks to me. It's really specific, I know, right? I know. Oh, my gosh. It's, like, just so much nicer if it's just, like, smooth. Um... Yeah, like I would not want I would not want to have like expressive aphasia, receptive aphasia. Um I would not want like any difficulties with like um with my with like my um like executive functioning in any way. You know, actually if I if I lost some motor control i think i would actually be like a little bit more okay with that because yeah while you're talking out it sounded more like 
like everything up here needs to be preserved. Yeah. But like you could lose. It sounded. It sounded to me at least like yeah. you. You could lose limbs and you'd be like relatively okay with. Yes. It. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, yeah. but again, like, and this is why I was saying that I don't know if this is actually a good thing because <laughs> I so strongly identify with my thoughts that like mm -hmm. if I wouldn't be able to think, then I'd be like, well, what the hell is the point? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, while you were talking, I just I was identifying like that there there's like a very strong, uh, very uh, real fragility to your conception of self like that. If it changes, it is um, if it changes too quickly, uh, yes. that is that is unacceptable to you right. versus like if there's a slow drift, like as you're saying, like over time through yeah. decades of through your physical function and ability, that is more acceptable. But that um, that the fragility is such that you're you're unable to change your sense of self quickly, whether right. uh, like specifically in this in, in this circumstance like negatively like loss of function, loss of sense of self. Um, but I think that that's very interesting that there is such a fragility around it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and I guess that also speaks to like me maybe potentially like. Um, there being some like over identification with that that aspect of like living as opposed to being, mm -hmm. um, and and I guess like part of my my being definition still like some of that is still like my cognitive like mm -hmm. abilities even though like I say like in theory that it doesn't that it doesn't include that, <laughs> uh, but you know maybe if you interview me in five right? years yeah exactly <laughs> exactly I want more clarity I didn't mm -hmm. say that there is clarity. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah. And I, and I do really think that like, I have this ability to like suffer at a low grade for a long period of time, whether that's like fit, like physically, especially like I can like hike or run or have like some type of issue. If, if it's like a low enough grade, um, like this is normal. This is normal. Yeah, I'm like this is totally okay. <laughs> like I can totally live with this. Mm. And then once it gets like past a certain point, I'm like, Oh shit, abort. You know, and mm. that's like that has been like a reoccurring theme in my entire like life. The action potential, like, <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, so when John and I first met, um, he would always call me a flight risk because, mm. like, he was like, I didn't know if, like, one day you would just feel like, you know, we can't work through something. And he was like, and I would just like come home one day and you'd be gone because like you would be like well you know i went through this enough and now now i'm just done with mm -hmm. it and it's a like very invisible from the outside yes. perspective it's just like she's been hobbling for like three hours <laughs> and now she decides to stop <laughs> exactly exactly yeah and that is like that is uh that is totally me like wrapped up in wrapped up in a sentence and it's like you know like i'll i'll say to my my patients i'll tell them about like um I'll be like, oh yeah, I mean, like, I, I'll say like, you know, like, I'm not like an easygoing person, like, I am like constantly, or, or like, if I'll describe myself as like, as a very like critical person of myself, mm. um, and, uh, and like, and I don't think that I really come across that way, um, but the thing though is that it's like, it's, it's like lying like it's existing like on like a sub threshold and then like then it gets to to a point where i'm like oh well 
screw this shit, I'm out of here, mm-hmm. you know. There mm-hmm. have been, like, many times where I've tried quitting. <laughs> John, can, John can corroborate that. I'm like, this is not worth it. And then it's like, then I can, like, speak so clearly about, like, this, like, this, like, mission that I feel like I have in my life, but then there are, like, you know, too many things planned, too many weeks in a row, and I'm like, screw all this, you know. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. And so I think we drilled down very, into a good spot, on uh like the particulars and the like kind of like the make like creating scenarios around it right uh do you agree yes uh is there anything else that you want when you die or is that still in this peace and calm kind of that's about it yeah it's fair yeah uh how do you finish the next prompt after i die I want. after i die i want my um i want people to um I want people to, like, continue to, like, benefit in some way from, like, the time that I spent on this earth. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's why I feel so, like, drawn to, um, drawn to this idea of, like, providing clarity for others. Um, because, like, I don't, like, I don't like this idea, like, feeling like I just kind of took from from mm. the universe that it's like oh i got this life i got to like exist in this time and then like oh now i'm gone mm-hmm. you know like i want to like leave something beyond me so like after i die i want people to like continue to like reap the benefits of like maybe some of the potential like clarity that i provided or like their relationship with me or um the role that I played in their life in some way even if it wasn't really that much of a relationship like I want there to be um like I I really want it to I really want uh like for it to have all like mattered Mm. Um, it's very, so, so there's, there's two parts to that, that I see. There's the, the, it mattered, but then there's like, for how long does it matter? Like how, like, you know, like, is it forever? Is it for three generations? Is it for 18? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't need to be like, you know, remembered like, uh, I don't know. Like Achilles. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> I was thinking Napoleon and I'm like, why would I be saying Napoleon? <laughs> like, I am a tall woman who is not like starting any empire I'm like why am i thinking napoleon but anyway um that's who i was originally thinking hence okay. the pause um yeah so like i don't need to be remembered like that but i mean like in terms of there being even if it's like only the people that i've interacted with like in my life and it doesn't transcend beyond like you know multiple generations or something mm-hmm. like that like that's also like okay but i mean but I want there to, um, I want, I want it to almost be like, um, like the, the things that I were able to give to people are like the metaphorical child that you could have, mm-hmm. you know, like when you, like if John and I were to have a child, it would be like a very specific <laughs> thing we're leaving behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead like. I want like my work with people um, or my interactions with people to, because when I say work, I don't just mean like in the terms of like physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want that to, um, I want that to like transcend my own life. And uh, so I, I mean, still bringing it back to that one, that one little se- sentence that you said was uh, that it mattered. I think yeah. it's, 
it's interesting because to me in my head it sounds like there's like going to be like a bi like a bi like I said like a binary switch yeah. of where like you you had enough of an like that that the the ripple has gone far enough that it's like okay I feel like that was good, you know? Yeah. And is like, do you like, you know, and, and like you were saying, like you weren't always taking that, but that also you gave back. Like, is the, do you even know what that level would look like? Would you even know how you define it? Like, yeah, you know, like I think that it could be, um, like, I think that it could be on, um, really on any level that have already existed, you know, like just the fact that I have like, been born and have interacted with people and have shaped my life in the way that I think that I've made like some good influences on people's lives. Mm. Like I think like I really like can say like a hundred percent without a doubt that like if I died tonight and you told me I was going to die tonight, I'd be like, well, wow, this is a shock. <laughs> but like, but like I would also be okay with mm. it because like, I think that there, I think there's like a lot of like peace in like living your life like that you're not like trying to like hold on to mm. something like so so strongly um and i so i think that i think that i would have um already been able to um to like live my life enough in uh, to like create that that like ripple in a sense but I mean, if it really is for if like that ripple extends to um, to like the people that I know in this like community that I have, and like there being some like awareness of like like that there that there is like at least like a like a a presence that is lost, mm. even if it do it doesn't have to even be to a certain magnitude. You know, like I don't need like. A memorial or something you know like, i don't need like a highway named after me <laughs> <laughs> i guess that's really when you make it mm -hmm. <laughs> um but but i mean like there for there to be like a sense within that person that it's like wow like th that's a that's a shame or mm -hmm. like not even necessarily a shame but like that there that there is like some like feeling of acknowledgement of my of my absence yeah, and I think that you kind of addressed the question that I was going to ask next, which is like, uh, uh, like what, uh, like, could you have? Do you feel like you could have gotten that uh, rip enough of an effect already? And it sounds like you're, you're, yeah, you're pretty, you're pretty cool with it. Yeah, I mean, and I think that, um, and also this could because, like, speaking to this idea that, like, I am just like the or like thoughts are really just like things that you like make up in your head that there isn't like any like I don't know like divinity to them um that like my I always felt okay with it because my mom would tell me about how my my dad that day that he had died had said about like how he felt really content and that like if he were to um if he were to die um then like he like had found some peace because he had um for a period of time like had suffered from like alcoholism so uh so i mean like it feels like that there are like 
that like you kind of like know when like from like that point on that you would be like okay with that and mm -hmm. I think I've like always felt that that it's like even when I, I remember thinking about this when I was in third grade on the bus I used to think on the bus a lot <laughs> um, that like I remember like kids are like thinking about like Pokemon cards on the bus mm -hmm. and like I'm thinking about like death and like if I should eat pork you know that <laughs> kind of thing um and uh and I remember thinking that I'm like, well, you know, like my, my sister would always remember me. My brothers would always remember me. Um, so like, I would be like, uh, like my mom would remember me. So like, that's like, that's good. You know? Mm. Uh, I think that's a good, good spot. Yeah. Good spot to end on. Yeah. And uh, this has been a really great conversation. We've talked for a little while now, and it's taken a lot of scheduling to make this yes, a reality. Yes, I know, yes. Uh, I think we were when, originally when we were starting to do it, we were talking about doing it outside because it'd be so nice and warm, but now it's, you know, cool and fall, and it's yes. just a different time. Yes. Uh, but thank you. And uh, I want to give you the floor, the last uh, few minutes or moments, to address the audience directly, whether it is uh, you in 10 years and, uh, you know, you're trying to grapple with the 40s now, or maybe it's uh, John after your death, or uh, maybe it's a patient who just thinks that you're a really cool person and wants to understand uh, a little bit more about you, um, but is struggling and identifies with a lot of what you're describing. Uh, the floor is yours. You want me just, just say whatever I want. Yeah, speak. How, whoever is listening, whoever is listening to this weird microphone in the future, okay. uh, just speak to them directly and what do you, whatever you want to say to them. Yeah. Say to them. Um, so what I would say is like the, the thing that I've become like more and more aware of is like um, I've always identified so strongly with myself as like an individual, but um, I'm beginning to like realize like more and more that like we um as individuals like make up a community and like a variety of communities and i think that one of the best ways to like thrive as an individual is by um is by relating to your community and i think the way that we go about doing that is with like empathy and vulnerability and like i would just strongly encourage um people to embrace their lives in that way that it's like it's okay. We're all struggling. Um, and, uh, and like struggling really ends up becoming like a really loose definition for just like living life as we know it. Um, and, and really like honing this, that sense of community can just like really give you such a strong, um, such like a strong foundation for living a life as like fulfilling as you want it to be and realizing of course that that community can be like as broad or as narrow as you want it to be but I really think that it comes down to vulnerability and empathy and I just um, really strongly encourage people to embrace those two aspects. Thank you so much. Thank this you for having me. Is, you're very welcome. Uh, this, this is a lot of fun. And this has been Chloe Costigan on death. Yay! Hugs. Yay! What is your age? I'm 31. 31. And what is your name and how do you spell it? My name is Chloe Costigan. Mm -hmm. It's spelled C-H-L-O-E-C-O-S-T-I-G-A-N. 
Excellent. And um, is uh, side question. Okay. Uh, what, are you? In, are you? Uh, why? Why keep your name Costigan? Oh, as opposed to my husband's yeah, last name? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I love my name. Mm -hmm. Like, my name is my identity. Mm -hmm. Like, and I grew the, up with this name. hard K, like, kind of K sounds, Chloe. Yeah, yeah. I, my middle name is Corinne. So mm. it's like Chloe, Corinne, Costigan. Like, we have mm -hmm. three C's. So, like, it makes that, sense. yeah, I wanted, I just wanted to keep that. Like, also with my father dying when I was young, like, mm -hmm. his last name is Costigan. So, like, I feel like a really strong connection to keeping that last name. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And um, what is uh, your gender identity and preferred set of pronouns? Um, female and she, he, uh, no, she, <laughs> she, her. Hers. Hers. Excellent. Yeah. And um, before we uh, go to the last, uh, the next couple of warm-up questions, um, yeah. do you know the prompts off the top of your head? Yes. Um, so I am, mm -hmm. um, before I die, I want, mm -hmm. when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. Excellent. So the way that I, uh, you might have heard it with John's interview, was I'll say, it is November 8th, 2018. I'm sitting here in uh, Chloe Costigan's Bethlehem apartment with a beautiful view and we're gonna be talking about death through the four prompts. Chloe, what are the four prompts and you'll say? I am Before I die I want when I die I want after I die I want. And I'll say great now How do you finish that first prompt? I am and we'll roll street. Okay. From there. That makes sense. Yep. And then um, I will I'll be keeping track of the time so you don't need to worry about it. Okay, and um, also that way um, uh I'll, yeah, so I'll be able to like kind of move us along so you don't yeah. so you can just you know respond You don't need to think about like those larger logistical things. Yeah um, That said I have a question. Yes. Can I ask you questions? Yeah, okay? Yeah, I might I might be evasive just because I'm like mm, I don't know if this is really right. You know, right, I mean? right. Yeah. okay, but if you if you if you're curious, uh, please feel free It's not like I, I don't want you to ask questions. It's right. just that like, you know, uh, I try not to make it about like when hey, I tell, yeah, yeah, well, I'll tell I'll tell stories, but I'll, I'll do that in such a way that I think uh, pull something out of you. you yeah. Know what I mean? Okay. Yep. Got it. And um, if you know, for whatever reason, if uh, you need to go to the bathroom, if we need to pause, time out, whatever, um, there are a lot of natural stopping points during the interview. So when I say like, okay, how do you finish that next prompt? Before, uh, when I die, I want. Then you can be like, uh, time out. Right. Can we pause real quick? And I can edit that out, no problem. Right. Um, and uh, but also if you if you're like in the middle of think, saying something, you're like. Time out. I need like we need to pause real quick. That's totally fine as well. Okay. I, can, I can edit stuff out okay. very well. Okay. And then um And because there's a little bit of like performance. Mm -hmm. That's why I asked if I could ask you questions because like what I do in a given day is I talk to people and mm -hmm. a lot of it is driven by my own questions mm -hmm. of some like to someone. Um, but then I think it allows for a little more of like a natural dialogue. I agree. Yeah, yeah it's important to be able to like not just feel like you're being interrogated. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then also for me, like, um, I am like feeling like I gotta do it right. Mm -hmm. You know, like there, that that is like the driving force in my life, mm -hmm. doing something right. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, so there's there's that dynamic too. Absolutely. And uh, that is also why the in the the first thing before I even say your name is the date. So you know, like it's just like time stamping and, and realizing that this is a very small 
like snapshot, yeah. an imperfect snapshot of you. Right. And so if we were to interview again in like eight years, then that date is, you know, just to show right. that time has yeah. passed and that this is, you know, yeah. different space and everything like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And, um, and then again, if you, so uh, moving on to the next thing is that if you decide half, you know, after we, after we finish the interview and you're like, I talked a little bit too much about blacking out in, in Puerto Rico or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. and, and, and you're like, I would like to extract that from right, the interview. Right, yeah, that's, that's fine. That's I, I can do that. That's no problem. Got it. The, on the counter, on the, on the flip side of that is, um, I cannot put in good stories after the fact. But what I mean by that is I ask Oh, like retrofitted? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I yeah, so that. like be as vulnerable, as open as you can and with as much candor and detail as you would like as you feel comfortable giving. Right. And then um, and then if after the fact you're like, oh, that was right. like too much, then I can yeah. pull it out. But if it's not there, it's not there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I'm, let me make sure that this is actually plugged in because I don't want it to... Oh, it is not charging. And that's a good thing to know now. That's why. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Okay. That feel, makes me feel much better. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, so uh, can't put it in if it's not there. Yeah. Got it. Um, do people ask you to do that? Some, like to pull stuff out? No, no. Or to put, put stuff, stuff in. in? No. Oh, okay. But it's like, if it... That's if it's, a good ground rule, though. Yeah. 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 yeah just like, <laughs> like you know, what, yeah. 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 Um, any questions? No. Cool. And uh, when I say home, what do you think of? When I say home, I think of peace. Yeah. What, what, uh, is it like a piece that you carry with you? Is it a piece that you feel when you're with certain people? I think it's like this, like sense of like security. Like I've always liked this idea of like something like being like neatly wrapped because so many <laughs> things are not like that, mm. that it's like, I very much think of like when I'm home, this is like my safe space that mm. it's like, regardless of anything else that went on in the day like this is my my time where it's like i'm good like this is like home base in a sense okay and um that like that's is it is that something that you're able to do wherever you are i guess like is, no. is it no. yeah is so it? yeah so that's the thing is that it's like it's very specific to the place <laughs> okay. and also like this is one of those things that like so i um i love my my family i love like my close friends that i have mm -hmm. um but i am like very protective of my my home space mm -hmm. so like when um when john and i first started dating and he would come over um, it would always be like on Sunday night, um, he would have to leave because <laughs> oh, yeah? like I needed like my, my space. Like mm. this was me like kind of like touching, touching home again and like being still and it being peaceful. Um, and for a long time that didn't, that didn't involve anyone else except for like my immediate family. Mm -hmm. So like he was like an intruder in that he was a visitor, but mm -hmm. like he wasn't able to stay. Mm -hmm. So he said that, uh, he knew like that he made it when, <laughs> when I let him stay a Sunday mm -hmm. night that it was like, okay, like you're fine here. Mm -hmm. So then even when we have people over, um, I can tolerate it for a period of time. And then I'm like, you gotta go. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, here, like, like, I love you, but get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm like, you're like, you're in my space too much. This is it. Like, and I need it to be like orderly. You know, I keep doing this with my hands. This is like that shape that I have, and it's like everything is nice, mm. you know, and peaceful. 
Mm, okay. And then uh, what is something in the past six months that you have been proud of? Um, I have been proud of um, developing um, like my first solo work project. Um, and it's not actually even really that solo, but what I would say um, that it's like not generated by John, my mm -hmm. husband, um, because like he is in like the dynamic that we have like he is like the innovator in so mm. many ways mm. and when we first started working together i always like, kind of felt like i was i was like kind of like carrying out what what his plans were mm, and like i was like, kind of the sidekick that's yeah. what i'd call myself i'm like and i had described it to john before that i was like you know, like what I wanted to feel like is that like, I'm not your co-pilot. Well, first of all, we had to have this discussion about like what co-pilot was <laughs> because like he thought that like co-pilot meant that you were like both driving the plane. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, that is not what a co-pilot is. <laughs> so once we got past that, type, that then, then I was like, I want to, I want to feel like you, you have your plane. I have my plane. We're going in the same direction, mm -hmm. but like one of us isn't driving it more than the other one is like we both we're like our own separate beings mm -hmm. and then like we're going in the same direction that but like kind of circles back to like me wanting to keep my own last name like mm -hmm. i don't need to go in his plane for that like i can i can stay where i am and mm -hmm. like we can both go in the same direction but we don't have to i don't have to like just be carrying out what it is that um, that he necessarily wants. Mm -hmm. So with my um, my own solo project, I co-created what's called the pre-pose method um, with my friend Carrie Morgan, who's a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. So what we did was um, we combined the principles of physical therapy and yoga um, to improve movement and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like these are, this is like, there's so much talk about that. Like, oh, like how do you move mindfully? But what you need to do that we had realized is like, you need to ask three questions. So what do I need to focus on? Why does that matter? And then how do I go about doing that? So with the combination of physical therapy and yoga, we're answering those questions. Mm -hmm. So, um, developing that, that idea and it being like my baby over the last year, mm -hmm. um, has been pretty exciting. And then I really think that within the last like six months or so, it's like really taken shape. So yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause I know clarity. that you did your first retreat recently, right? Yeah. We did that in um, Granada, Spain mm -hmm. in June. Excellent. So, yeah. And then that was even then like that pre-pose was still like in the infancy mm -hmm. of what it is now. So it was like a lot more, of a lot more yoga workshop like mm -hmm. and now um with what i will what i will say is like john is really great for um for bringing clarity to something like he has a really great ability to like zoom out whereas mm -hmm. like i'm a details person like mm -hmm. the more in the minutia that i can get like that's what i like mm -hmm. um so he's been able to like kind of pull it out a little bit more by like asking questions like okay well what what really is this mm -hmm. and um and then i would say like like i said within the last like, six months it's definitely developed um there's been like a lot more of like a clear definition of what it is and kind of where we're going mm -hmm. and then um i think that leads very well into the next more question that i have for you and the last one yeah. is uh what is something in the next six months that you're looking forward to 
So in the next six months, we're going to be moving to a new building. So the building that you were in. Yeah, um, yeah, that yeah. was that was kind of, you know, in planning, right? That was just like all in the head, but not like signing to anything. Yeah. yeah. So now it's happening. Yes. Okay, so cool. in the beginning of January, it will be happening. So oh, wow. yeah. New Year, New You, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know. Fingers crossed. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, so that will be, that'll be pretty cool, I think, too. Um, I have a giant knot in the neck. So so on occasion, I will use this. Yes, to that's like fine. Yeah. Try to get you it. You do it, okay. yeah. Okay. And if I make suggestions, you can just edit that part out. <laughs> okay. okay. Good, good, good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so then in the next, like, six months, um, we'll have that. So we're going to be able to have, like, more pre-posed classes. There's going to be a little bit more, like, the gym's going to take a little more shape. There's going to be a separate space more so for patients because we've kind of gotten, like, pushed into this one like small area because mm. the gym stuff just takes up so much more space mm. um so that'll be really nice yeah you got a lot more you in that space you have a lot more ideas than space yes <laughs> yes most certainly mm -hmm. yeah. okay very cool um are you ready to roll into the real thing i am excellent um all right 